0: Are you an athlete tired of annoying injuries holding you back from peak performance? Then this podcast is for you. Here we share our expert opinion on hot topics of physical therapy, injury prevention, sports performance, and sometimes other random thoughts. I'm your host, Dr. Ells. Welcome to the Charlotte Athlete Podcast. All right, we are live here. Uh, What's up, guys? Uh, This is Dr. Ells, and we have Dr. Mike, Uh, both of us are PTs here at the Charlotte Athlete, and we are going to kind of get through a lot of stuff today. Uh, we're going to start with the introductions because I have realized I have not done any introduction of myself uh, or Dr. Andrew, um, as are the other people that have been on the podcast. So I'll have Dr. Mike start it up, get it get it ripping.
1: Yeah, so uh, just keep it nice and simple. Uh, originally, I'm from Nacogdoches, Texas, small town in, in East Texas. Uh, left there and went to junior college playing baseball, so nice Juco bandit over here at uh, North Central Texas College, uh, just up around Dallas, and then uh, finished out my undergrad down at Houston Baptist, now Houston Houston Christian University, uh, again, playing baseball. Uh, left from there, took a year off, had to clean up some classes, uh, finished some prerequisites to head to PT school. Did that down around Houston, too, at the University of Texas Medical Branch. Um, and then, as of now, I've been about actually coming up on my my fifth full year of, of PT practice, um, just working to to get here and kind of how I how I ended up here and, and the the why behind what I do is you know being being an athlete through high school, college, um, you know that that mindset has always been the driver behind uh, my success. And so, coming out of undergrad, right, you lose that you lose that thing you've had day in day out for your whole life and you have to find a new a new metric of success and, and working with athletes has always been uh, where I wanted to end up and it's still kind of my daily drive to wake up each day and come help athletes I work with get better and and be successful in, in their life too and so we'll kick that back over to Dr. Ells and he'll he'll give you the same rundown
0: yeah I mean that's a really good drive uh so from I'm originally from New Orleans <clears throat> I moved when I was seven to Asheville though so most of the time spent you know, growing up in the mountains, uh, less of the swamp, uh, but I didn't really like Asheville all the time when I was growing up, but it, was, it got better later. I like it now. Anyway, so after you know moving up there, uh, high school, played a bunch of different sports. I kind of settled around lacrosse um, and then football and track my senior year. Uh, I grew a lot in high school, so that's kind of, I guess, more background into why I became a physical therapist because I had a lot of experience with them in my high school years. So I was just always in pain but I just really, 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 really wanted to play sports. So them being able to get me back on the field as best I could was pretty integral and pivotal to my, I guess, PT experience in the early parts of my life. Um, But then college came around. I went to Appalachian State University. I ended up throwing um, there for their track team. That was like kind of a last-minute thing my senior year. I was offered to do that, and I was like, sounds fun and new because I only threw for like three to four weeks before, before that. Um then through uh, undergrad at App State, I did exercise science and you know was finding my way but I was kind of always thought I wanted to be a PT because I thought it was great. I mean again, you work with athletes or you can work out with athletes um, and it was just incredibly beneficial and I just want to be better and I wanted to keep doing and keep moving forever. My dad's a strength coach and I've been around this stuff forever and in terms of moving um, and always had a very competitive mindset when it came to the gym and one of the reasons I ended up choosing track actually in college was because I get to lift with a bunch of guys stronger than me. Uh, that was really a great drive for me every day. Uh, I love that. And, um, so then I went to physical therapy school at Winston Salem state university and, uh, well, Winston Salem, North Carolina. And I really liked it. Um, getting through all the, the MS, you know, uh, the musculoskeletal stuff was my favorite part, but the high style held neuro eventually worked in there. Anyway, but coming out of PT school, I was really, really um, looking forward to getting better and more honed in my craft. So finding shopping around for different ways to continue to educate myself because we're about to go into, you know, kind of what we did after PT school because that's what kind of makes us a little different here, the Charlotte athlete. Um, but that drive really came around just very similar to what Mike said. It was just like it's a competitive attitude from being an athlete. It was something I did day in, day out. And I was always kind of on that edge. I want to continue to be competitive in what I did for a career. Um, I didn't want to necessarily settle for certain generalistic information. I wanted to push it. Um, and then also, you know, continue to help others with what I love, you know, being in the gym, I get fired up when other people are like, I lifted heavier today. I'm like, that's awesome. You know, (laughs) like that's something that I really, you know, resonate with and continue to do myself as best I can. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think we want to kind of after that, you know, dive into what makes us different here at the Charlotte Athlete. We are both a part of the Institute of Athlete Regeneration um, Fellowship, and Mike's done even more stuff than I have. He's further along in this. Uh, Mike, what other things have you gotten yourself into?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just, it, it it all comes down to, to, to who you want to work with, right? And, and a lot of my uh, practice has been geared towards, and it kind of has been, by choice, but also just from what I've, I've ended up doing is, is working with the, uh, long-term side of rehab, right? So, so this is the, the the folks that have the major injuries and end up having surgery. And we're looking at, you know, we're, we're basically starting at point a day one after surgery. And we're looking at nine, 12, 15 months down the road. And, and like, this is where we need to get over the course of this very, very extensive, uh, period of time. Um, and then, uh, also working, you know, with our, more of our acute injuries and, and like we're talking hamstring strains where we're mid season, we need to, uh, knock pain down. We need to get back to, you know, sprinting, jumping, all this stuff. So just a, a big mix of, of patient population, but all with the same goal of hundred percent performance. And I think, Els and I, we're, we're sitting here talking today, and that's kind of what sparked this this whole topic is um, being former athletes, if we knew, shoot, me personally, if I knew a quarter of the stuff that I knew now, um, you look back and there's like so much untapped potential. And, and I think in the, the age of technology that we're in today, um you know, getting this out to kind of our, our high school and even college athletes that are are, are especially high school looking to go into college, um, you know, knowing some of this stuff. And I, our best players at the college level right now know this stuff. They do this stuff. And that's why they are so phenomenal. Um, and that's where we're looking to, to head today on what we know, what we've learned, and what we wish we would have done.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a big long list there. Uh, we were just talking about before like prefacing this podcast with man if I only knew this you know being athletes in college there's I don't know the the focus has shifted on performance sure but also you don't necessarily think about how much recovery you need Um, certain things you know don't take care of your body as well because everything feels really good so you don't know what you're missing Um, but looking back at it you know especially me trying to push myself now you know with having a job and relationship and darn puppy like there's there's (laughs) things in my life that are like you know sapping my energy which i didn't feel like i had the same thing in college i felt like everything was surrounding sports um school wasn't necessarily too stressful for me so i was just like okay it's just sports but if i were to eat well maybe even the right things i know if matt dangler is listening to this we would (laughs) i would have loved to have his help (laughs) he's a uh, dietitian here in charlotte but um yeah i mean i just did not really pay attention to what my body needed i just wanted to push it all the time and never thought Anything else? Yeah, Anything s- else of that? Sleep.
1: Sleep you know, didn't really do that yeah, much. <laughs> that was unheard of. Four yeah. guys
0: living in a house. Yeah.
1: Or go back to junior college where you've got the whole team living in a dorm. Yeah. And, I mean, doors are unlocked, people busting in at 3 a.m. Yeah, yeah. sleep Sleep didn't happen.
0: No. Your weekends and drinking was anti-recovery. Um, and that stuff, like knowing now, kind of like what that effect can have on you, especially as a, you know, not just that next day, but a week. And, um, you know, with – For me, with track, it was an individualistic sport, which, and, you know, there was some team aspect naturally there, but it's mostly you versus you, and you're looking for numbers. It's very objective, right? So you're like, I'm throwing a rock a certain distance, and what makes me feel better the next time I throw that rock is if I get a further distance, and that is it. (laughs) And there were so many days that I didn't get that rock very far, um, and I'm like, wow, this sucks. And we're talking about like a whole two weeks, three weeks in between meets, and it can be really damaging to my... Uh, like mental, just the whole psyche, yeah, right? Like, I guess yeah. the whole psyche was just having a, a field day after that. I was like, great. Everything I've done is awful. But I mean, if you were to look back at it, I probably just didn't recover very well the week before. I've been stressed out by some random thing. And was I taking it as seriously as I could have No.
1: Well, and it, yeah, it goes back to your point to two to three weeks between meets, like, you know the the day after a meet or the you know go even three days after the meet where you're really starting to push it hard but you know you're three weeks away are you really pushing it that hard or is the meet three weeks away and you're just not that concerned about it at
0: this point you know yeah, there's so many things there and that's probably where a sports psychologist would be great a great, yeah. great you know uh brain mind picker here. yeah Men- mental skills yeah they
1: are a, they are a thing they are fantastic mm-hmm. um and there's there's a lot of people out there now that because of like all the research that we see and everything that's being done, there's a lot of athletes that would generally fizzle out, but their mental skills, um, coaches, their sports psychs are actually keeping them in the game and keeping them
0: excelling, and maybe they make it to the next level because of it. So yeah. awesome stuff. Yeah, because mean, for me, like you know, the next level for track is like the Olympics. don't like, right. you know. Yeah. There's not like <laughs> I mean, there is other things you can compete at the national stage and stuff. And for me, like, there may have been a short amount of time towards the end of my senior year when I finally understood how to throw a shot put or uh, a discus. Not, I didn't really get to discus that well. But um, that it could have been an option for me. But holy cow, the mental, you know, taxing of that, being able to throw everything away towards that. I'm talking about athletes, talking to athletes recently that I've seen and, you know, just the, you know, the burden that is, it is your entire life. And that's something that I never actually ended up getting to. Um, uh, but, Yeah. So, I mean, thinking back now to, like, what we did in college and what we could have done, Mike, what would be the first thing that you would have remedied? Sleep. a 100% sleep. Yeah. Um, uh,
1: historically, I mean, even going back to high school, going to bed at midnight, 1 a.m., no real reason. I was just awake, you know, play video games from Call of Duty, this and that. But, like, you know, sleeping from 1 to 6 and then, God forbid, when we got to college, we had, you know, 5 a.m.s, And so... Now I'm going to bed at midnight, sleep until 5, going to bed at 1 or 2, sleep until 5. Just sleep was something I always thought I didn't need much of personally. I never prioritized it, but then always wondered why, like, my circadian rhythm, like, I can't gear up to do anything in the morning. I mean, I, I need all kinds of, like, caffeine and all kinds of, you know the heaviest metal that Dr. Ellis could probably find in his you Apple music. I, yeah. um, I, I need all that just to get
0: moving in the morning. And that's, that's going to be at about 60%. Um, that's for me, that's huge. So I, I never had, it was so interesting. I never did any kind of caffeine stimulant until PT school. Um, oh Wow. I know that's it's kind of crazy. I know. I think I remember one time like, and I've never been a morning person. I've always been an evening person. Night owl would be a deck, you know, maybe a definition there, but I remember like one time we won the meets, my friend's uh john he was like hey i have these caffeine pills you should you could take these before you know throwing shot put today you get all amped I'm like damn that sounds great <laughs> so i took them and i was so shaky it was an awful i think i fell out like, I was, oh my. like it was awful i was just jazzed way too jazzed um oh that's another thing i want to talk about and something i wish i could other than sleep but yeah it's interesting i never got through that stimulus now i'm like borderline addicted but here we are um but yeah, sleep would have been amazing. I had the same kind of things—late nights, early mornings. Just thought I'd be, just be more resilient. I thought of the hard, like being hard-headed, or you know, just stubborn about those things. Like, if I go, I'll just be fine. I'll just be fine. Yeah, and that's just, that was my mentality. It, right? just, do just do it.
1: Keep doing more. Yeah. If I do more, I get better. Yeah. If I do more, more, I get better. Yeah. I never
0: thought about it, it as like it actually did benefit me, but you don't think about it then. Um, I thought about talking to going back to app recently and giving a little speech about this. Um, yeah, I don't know if it will fall on deaf ears or they're like, "Oh yeah, maybe I will sleep a little bit more." I mean, as long as it goes across to one person, yeah, you yeah, know, it's, I'll it's think worth one. it. Yeah, um, but yeah, sleep would be amazing. Also, the other thing, honestly, that I've been thinking about a lot recently too now is that amped feeling. Now I know with baseball it's a little different, but um, especially with individual sports, uh, especially strength sports, like being amped during your workouts, getting super jazzed up for like a high rep or high one, like one throw or something like that not very beneficial. Oh, same for us, yeah. Yeah. I would imagine it cuz I mean, the swing obviously is quick, but like certain things like getting super super jazz, you actually like fry out your central nervous system. Yeah. And I did not think about that at all either.
1: Well, and, and you know, you go go to baseball, you know, it's yeah, it's a long game. Uh as a hitter, you know, maybe four, maybe five at bats, but couple of them can be – it can be a 0-0 game in the first inning and you've got a runner on third with one out. And so technically it is a high leverage situation to, to, to try to get that run in. And and if you're amped up, I mean, it it's, it is is 1v1. It's you versus the pitcher. And so if you're too amped up, what you see all the time, and you can actually see it in body language. Um, actually a really good example was, was the, the other night in the College World Series. Um, top of the 11th, right, game one, best of three game. And pitcher, cool, calm, collected, younger hitter, you can see, I mean, you can see it in his eyes how amped up he is. He's, he's almost every time it. it's yeah. going to strike out, right? Yeah. Like he's too amped up. And so same concept. Like you, being you, present. Yeah. When that's And that's, again, that's where that mental skills comes in. And they obviously do a lot more than that. But learning to control that and, right, if you've got external stimulants in there there's no way
0: you're controlling that. You've mm-hmm. just forced it. Yeah. You actually made that happen. Yeah, you had to be, try to be calmer, which was impossible for me on my caffeine pills that day.
1: Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I won't I won't go into uh, how many Red Bulls to... we shotgun yeah.
0: before games at <laughs> times either, so. <laughs> Probably the worst way of ingestion. Yeah. Right. I remember specifically, too, it was the ETSU meet, and I remember being like, I'm going to freaking throw this shot put into the mm-hmm. ceiling. And then, you know, I flew, flew out of the circle all three times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think those are things. It's just like having the mentality is like, look, you know, if you need it there, your body will obviously be able to produce that, that top end. You can go through that into that red zone. And it's probably very beneficial when you need it, but not just to exist in there. Um, have the potential, but not need to be at that, that top, all those RPMs, you know. Well, that's,
1: you know, that you think that that's probably where some of the,
0: the best athletes thrive, right? Like go, go, go to Michael
1: Jordan. I mean, he thrived on competition, whether it was on the court, golf course, whatever. any sort of competition he didn't need any external stimulants just the the act of competition alone got him to that point and that's and I think that's probably the probably one of the biggest reasons why he's so successful yeah
0: and and our better athletes same thing yeah and just and also just being a crazy person which we always talk about (laughs) (laughs) there too right yeah I think the other big one uh too was eating for me um like for me I coming out of high school because I'm 6'6 um, coming out of high school, I grew a foot in college or high school, sorry, not foot in college, I've been nuts, foot in high school. I came into high school at one hundred four, Um, I was going to go into ninth grade. I ended up reclassing because they didn't know if I was like a, a full grown boy or not. Um, one Oh four pounds, 104 pounds. Yeah. Wow. Not kilos. I thought you were going kilos on yeah. me there. No, 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 <laughs> no. It took me a long time to pass that. Uh, but no, I, I came into, I was going into ninth grade at five, seven or five, yeah, about five, seven, one Oh four. And then um, I reclassed at my high school, which just means I started over a grade. I did eighth grade again, took ninth grade classes. I had to explain that to a lot of people. They're like, oh, you're you're, you're done. Yeah,
1: know. I learned that about a year ago, <laughs> that that was even a yeah, thing. Yeah, was it a was super popular yeah. where,
0: where yeah. I went. I went to Christ school, and that was like, I mean, there was tons of athletes that did that. Um, so I gained 110 pounds in high school. So that was a lot. But also, like, being able to do that while growing a foot was really, really difficult. So I was just trying to eat everything in sight. That was my diet. Um, but going to college, I, you know, went from graduating at, what would that be, you know, 114, 115 pounds, or 215 pounds, sorry, to like competing in Division One throwing. These guys are huge. So I was like, all right, I got to do it all over again, even harder. I need, need gained <laughs> another 100 pounds. Uh, I never gained another 100 pounds. But, I mean, eating was so stressful to me. I was, like, I would plan my days around it. Like that, that was like my number one priority is like eating food because I, I was like, I have to get to like 250 at least. Jeez. And I mean, my freshman year, I was 225. I got, I, well, I gained 30 pounds going into my freshman year of college, 30 pounds in the summer. And then I got sick because honestly, I ate too many Cheetos one time. And I think I got like <laughs> reflux of some sort. But anyway, and then I dropped to like 225, and that's why I was my first year. And I actually only threw um, javelin and uh, high jumped my freshman year. And then I gained got up to like 250, 260, ended up around 260, 265, but like I wasn't eating the best things. Like I was just eating everything. And I think yeah, honestly, if I went back to it, one, I wouldn't I wouldn't really stress about how quickly I gained the weight. Um, and I probably break down my macros a little bit better. You know, eating the right amounts of things just to like fuel myself, but also being in a caloric surplus and let weight come on um, instead of sprinting through that process. I think that would have been one of the things I definitely changed, especially once I got up to that weight, like been a little more, you know dialed in yeah well I can't relate I didn't have that problem I I didn't have that problem at all but
1: I uh yeah coming out of high school I I football in high school and I was a lineman and they put on all kinds of just I call it dirty weight right I was just eating ice cream peanut butter protein shakes over the summer staple yeah and and you know just putting on really unhealthy weight for the amount that I was working um and so got to college, and I actually needed to drop weight. And so uh, – but, but same thing, just, just knowledge. I had no dietary yeah. knowledge. We were eating junior college cafeteria food. Like, and we're, in a, we're in a really small town in North Texas. It doesn't even have, like, good food options available. And so, um, yeah, it would have been it, – it's tough. If you're living in a dorm room. You have certain things that you can use to cook, and it, it's tough to actually make your own meals, even though that's probably what we should have been doing. Yeah. Um, and, and so just a really unhealthy relationship with food of like constantly like, you know, influxing, going up, going down, never really having good, like healthy sources of, of protein and carbs to, to fuel, you know, summers, it was workouts in season, out of season, just never really had great knowledge to, and I, and I didn't seek it out either. Right. It's all around us and just taking that extra effort to seek it out. Make sure it gets done. And then when we were at four-year university, right, we had a house. We were cooking for ourselves. It got quite a bit better, um, but still no idea of amounts, how much you need, how much you don't need.
0: And then, you know, weekends, we definitely weren't eating enough. We were drinking more of yeah. our calories. <laughs> yeah, it became a liquid diet, uh, which, watch out, the ac- uh, alcohol is a macro. It does have it, seven, seven uh, calories per gram. Fun, wow. fun little fact. It's seven sneaky. But you cannot gram gram. use it right it does not convert to energy yeah in it's, way that it's we an un,
1: unusable
0: fat carb protein yeah. but definitely still yeah. full of calories definitely full of calories the liquid diet you know oops yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> anti-recovery um, but you know that's us looking back I mean I'm sure there's a thousand things we could talk about there because but also some of the things you know you have access to you just choose not to do it because you do feel so good or you don't think it help you I think honestly sleep is probably the biggest one I think Mike highlighted that very well um, but like going on from there, like being an athlete ourselves and like now doing what we're doing here, um, we work with athletes and we understand now how, how much expert cheaters these guys are, you know, how we, we got it done back in the day and, uh, and how people do it now. I mean, even now, like with me going through the Olympic lifting stuff and dabbling with powerlifting every once in a while when I feel like I need to get demoralized by a weight, um, like how when you are an athlete and you're constantly pushing the barrier of what you're capable of, which is probably by definition what an athlete should be, right? Yeah um, absolutely. It's, it is gonna take a toll on you and you cannot avoid it.
1: Well you're doing the, you're doing the same thing over and over again, right? Whatever you choose to do, um, you're repeating that motion and you're trying to you're trying to make the well, let's go to a swing. like you want the cleanest, smoothest, most most efficient swing path. And then you want to be able to repeat it, right? Because if you can do it once, great. But if you can't do it again, you're not going to be very successful. So you're trying to repeatedly move the exact same way and be the best in the world at it, no matter what you choose to do. Or be able to move the most weight, right? Even if you're just a powerlifter, right? You're still trying to squat, bench, deadlift, and you're trying to move that weight as heavy as possible in the most efficient manner. And so, like, pushing those boundaries in these set paths and in these repeated motions,
0: um, yeah, ideally we get better at them, we get stronger, Mm -hmm. and we get to the top of the game. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think I – I mean, I pretty much constantly harp on efficiency here um, because that – like, I always use the – I guess going back to Michael Jordan, like him shooting basketball. Thank goodness shooting basketball, it's a a light implement, you know. It's not a 16-pound – Uh, basketball so it doesn't take as much damage to the body right just in terms of volume Uh, but he did it what a a billion times probably i don't know his actual numbers you know ten thousand hours is what you need to do to become proficient at something Um, but if you do want to become good at something it doesn't even have to be proficient but you have to do it a whole bunch of times and if you're doing that thing a little bit outside of your efficiency you are gonna rack up the negative influence of it because there will be some kind of negative feedback if you're doing something really heavy or really fast there is going to be some you know rule of error there and that's where things can develop that's what we deal with it's like finding those things and trying to make it as efficient as possible to you because pain is just the response your body has to something like that you know like your pain is not well we can talk about how pain is not real (laughs) but pain is real pain is real but it's you know not but (laughs) you know but like having that your body gives you that response of pain is like okay now let's figure out why um and then correct that issue and that's where you get your long-term relief.
1: Yeah, because we're not we're not mechanical, right? As, as much as we want things to be mechanical and we want to have good mechanics, right? We're not mechanical. We do have degrees of freedom and that's kind of where things start to go off the path a little bit and we keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and all of a sudden we're getting pain. Yeah, right? And this applies to everything. So basketball is an example, let's take a golfer. Go go pick Go find your favorite golfer on TikTok, especially on the Corn Fairy Tour. They, they put out some good content. But, I mean, they're up at 6 a.m. working out. Then they hit the range for how many swings. Then they may play 36 in a day for, you know, another if, – if you go just straight par at 72, right? We're at 144 swings in a day, and we're talking like high leverage swings and full intent. Um, I guess putts, but still – Like there's going to be breakdown. And so being able to identify like these specific areas of like where you're most liable to break down in your swing, right? We know what good mechanics we look like. We know where, you know, guys should be hitting at certain points in the swing to be the most efficient. But every single person is going to have some natural individual, you know, variant and that's going to kind of predispose them to different pains, different injuries. And these are stuff that like as PTs, the reason we've gone through fellowship is to identify these areas and essentially attack them before they become a big deal, before they become an issue that like, okay, all of a sudden now I can't play this weekend because I've got a little back pain or I can't play this weekend because my hip's pinching and I can't get any power. We want to be able to find these things, start to actually prehab them right, and, and correct them before
0: they become an issue. Right. Exactly. And it's like, those look little changes, they're not big things. Cause these athletes, like Mike said, they'd be doing these things day in day out, tons of swings. So you, you would probably not think about it, you know, looking back at it, like what you did differently. A lot of people come in here and like, I didn't do anything. I just woke up with it. And yeah. you know, like, it's not like it, Oh, I got, I stubbed my toe really hard. And then later <laughs> my toe started hurting really bad. And then it messed up my whole swing. It was like, I woke up with it or my shoulder just started to hurt over the last two or three months. There is always a reason for that. Um, we talked about the mechanical stuff. There's gonna be a mechanical, you know, fallacy or, or not fallacy, but a mechanical issue that starts to build over volume, and it might be small, it might be really small. But that's what it takes, like more of the specialist stuff to see. Um, that's why, you know, we both chose to instead of be a generalist to be a specialist, be able to pull those things out of an athlete, especially when you have a, tons of different body types, like because everyone's gonna have a little bit of a disadvantage in some things or an advantage in others. Um, like for me, I chose all disadvantages for all the Olympics, uh, just to make it harder on me. Um, but yeah, I mean, the way I break down in the like clean and jerk or snatch is gonna be different from someone else, but I don't, I shouldn't have to be throwing the kitchen sink at it. I should be pretty specific. I should be like, okay, these are my, my restrictions. Let's I'll solve those. Keep moving, like be efficient.
1: Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's where you don't want to get bogged down. Right. So like when we say prehab, that doesn't mean. Oh, I'm I'm a I'm a pitcher, so I'm going to do these same six shoulder and shoulder blade exercises and that's my prehab to keep my shoulder healthy. Well, that's that that logic right there alone is is not great, right? The same six things aren't going to be great for each person. You know, it needs to be individualized, but on the same token, you may not need six different things or like three of those things may address what you need and three you're actually like feeding into it, right? And what we find a lot of the times is, is people are doing all these stretches and all this mobility that actually feeds into the issue. So whatever the issue is, and, you know, let's, let's go runners in their hips. They're like, my hips are always tight, and so they're always doing pigeon stretch, and they're always stretching their glutes. Well, the problem with the glutes generally, again, this isn't everybody, but generally is they're over-lengthened and inefficient, right? It's not weak. They may have – their glutes can be plenty strong – but as they run, they're not working efficiently. And so they feel tight, so they stretch them. Well, you're stretching something that's over right? And so they're feeding directly into the issue of what's going on around the hip joint to create that hip pain. And so having that individualized approach, I think, is is paramount to every single athlete no matter what you choose to do especially if like things don't feel right things aren't going great or you even, even if you've plateaued and you can't run any further you can't lift any heavier like if you've hit a plateau there's probably something internal that's going on that, that's creating that
0: exactly I mean I looking back again another thing I would change from college if I knew now you know what I know now knew then um, like I so I had pretty bad back pain throughout college i'd have like little spurts of it that like really sidelined me um it was always oh a really fun time but like looking back at what i was doing then and um what i would have probably told myself currently um my specifically freshman year now i went from i was a rotational athlete lacrosse is rotational and i'd played that for eight years um like i mean most sports are gonna be rotational away soccer but track is just it's it's rotational but very very like violently the rotational just like baseball in the swing um so like going into throwing a javelin um throwing a shot put throwing a discus especially um my freshman sophomore and honestly through my senior year the way we worked our core was a very inefficient way to um, (laughs) respond to that pressure that went through my like you know the core my stomach if you will because you think about my legs are trying to you know create all the force and i'm trying to throw something with my hand, there's a very far, you know, length there. Yep. Um, and the core is the middleman. If the middleman is not doing its job or it's really, really good at moving or not resisting that uh, motion, then it's going to, you know, start breaking down there. And that's what I kind of looking back at it was dealing with, actually other than my sleep issues and some other things. But all of our core, our first year, I remember that, and I can't remember how long this went, but it felt like forever. It was all moving. Like it was all crunches. It was rotations it was like everything had to do with moving something i remember our first year like it was complete 200 reps of some ab movement at the end of practice that's what we (laughs) did now i'm not to bash or anything because you don't you don't know these things until they become you know in your face
1: well and then and and they're geared to make your core stronger which they absolutely will Mm -hmm. right right but it's yeah it's it's exactly that it's going to make your core stronger but if if you're if you've got 30 people i can guarantee you all 30 people aren't moving with the good mechanics for that movement Mm -hmm. right and that's where that's where we then tend to see them is because they move poorly um you know it's let's just take bicycles for example um, ideally, that's, a core stability where the spine really isn't moving a ton, mm-hmm. uh, especially the lower back. But nobody actually does them correctly yeah, where tired. the low back
0: doesn't move. I did 200 yeah. reps. Under <laughs> fatigue, yeah. Yeah, and so like, I would, and I had no idea, right? So I'd slip into these patterns that then I would re- you know, go to with my lifts and my throws and everything else, and it just would take one lift one day. And I'd just be like, all right, there it goes. <laughs> now I'm done for three to four days.
1: And that's that's just pain. Right? Yeah. But like, take that even to performance of, like, say you had no pain. Right. Mm -hmm. I I was pretty fortunate. I I really didn't have many injuries through sports. My shoulder elbow never bothered me too much. I think I like pulled my adductors once and was out for a few weeks because of a nice strain. But, you know, but but performance wise. So if you're if you're feeling that during workouts or or if you have that, like I call it a leak, it's a it's it truly is a leak in energy. Right. You can't develop that force Mm -hmm. from the ground. As it comes up through the core, we we want to have a nice strong core from both a strength and stability standpoint to transfer that out the fingertips. And so, any any extra movement through the core and any lack of stability is going to leak energy, and it's going to leave you know performance on the field.
0: Like, yeah, I was incredibly leaky in college. That's what it was. <laughs> it got me. But yeah, you know, looking back on it, then, it, that would be so. For for example, for me, like just doing more stability stuff, being more resistant to change. Um, and then I wouldn't have to do 200 reps. i probably keep my, my ab stuff or, you know, I can make it more efficient, more towards me, um, and that's what we like to do here is be able to figure out where your holes are and fill those because everyone's going to have them, especially if you're an athlete of a p- particular sports. You know, if you're – I don't know about you guys, but I was a righty thrower in uh, college. I never threw anything lefty. Yeah, no. There's I, very uh, few times.
1: I mean, I, I don't I, – I was – I'm kind of fortunate because I'm just – ass backwards if i throw right-handed and bat left so okay, i you got, you
0: yeah. got both rotations. see now yeah. I so I get, I get to move both yeah. so if you get really good at something the amazing thing about the human body is it will adapt like it's incredible how well it will adapt um but your adaptions can now leave you with some weaknesses so like for me like my body started to adapt to it um and i probably have some some solid compensations that now have run into my my lifting stuff that was created through just being a thrower for so long or a rotational athlete for so long. When, um, you know,
1: you I, I, you know, who I see it in the worst is tennis mm. They're I mean, they play so much, so often, so long. I mean, and, and all of a sudden we're even starting to see like muscular, like size changes along the spine. Oh, so, oh, so, yeah, so much so, that, yeah. yeah, so much so they'll develop even like a, we call it a spinal torsion where, specific areas of the the mid back of the thoracic spine are actually slightly rotated towards their dominant side and they actually can't break out of it it almost looks like a scoliosis but it's it's something that they've created just through sport because all they really ever do is rotate 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 yeah, especially with direction. serving and forehand side yeah. yeah and out of everybody they're generally the worst but baseball pitchers you can you can see pretty good especially younger when they're still developing you can see pretty good changes in like the symmetry side to side
0: yeah which is cool I and mean, the takeaway from that is like your body will adapt it's not necessarily a bad thing like it's a really good thing to get better at what you do yeah. um, but you do have you know um, fallout from that and that can that can lead to stuff and that's what we like to pick up thanks for listening to part one of the interview with Mike and I uh, we continue this conversation talk a little bit about the uh, topic of if you can prevent injury uh, and continue more into the efficiencies and whatever kind of comes to mind in part two uh, stay tuned